This is Juliana McIntosh. And I'm Brad Sutton. And And this this is is The Art Art of of Drinking. Drinking. With Join Jules. And your favorite uncle. This is the best home bartending podcast. Where you learn how to make two drinks. A classic. And a twist. Plus a little backstory on the cocktail. So you have an interesting story to tell when you serve your guests. Your home crafted masterpiece. All right, Brad, another episode of The Art of Drinking, and this time we are covering a great cocktail, The Bee's Knees. Man, it's a good cocktail. Yeah, this is an interesting cocktail. It's one, I have to be honest with you, it's a cocktail that I have avoided for a while, and the reason is, is that I get spooked by lemon juice because I have had so many drinks burn me figuratively and literally going down my throat. Mm, okay, okay. That I just, I see lemon juice in a cocktail, especially one that is as simple as this cocktail. And I get nervous because the lemon juice sure. is pretty exposed. And for those of you who listened to, I think it was episode eight, where we talked about the sour, you'll recognize this formula. And this is just simply spirit, citrus, and sweet. And it's a gin sour. But in this case, the sweet, is not simple syrup, it's honey syrup. And so I made this with some friends and I used same recipe, three different gins. And then I tweaked the recipe, three different gins when they weren't involved. (laughs) But I have to tell you, I discovered that if you are using a London dry gin with this cocktail, if you amp up the honey syrup a little bit more, it's gentler. But when you use a contemporary gin or a new Western style gin, something that's botanical floral, you don't have to add as much honey syrup. And so Mm -hmm. that is a discovery that I made. And I was like, ooh. So we're going with the recipe here that's we'll talk about in a minute, but it's it's the lesser of the honey syrups. Well, and you know, it's funny too. It is a three-ingredient cocktail, which is awesome. I think I said that this is a really good one to have on hand, like at your bar cart. Like, what cocktails should I know when I start my bar? This is a great one. So easy. But it's funny you did it with three different styles of gin because you could even take it a step further and balance those with three different types of honey because not all honey is the same. So it's really fun to kind of play with Do you want something on the more neutral, sweeter side of the honey family? Do you want something on the thicker, more earthy side? There's a lot of lanes for honey, which makes this really fun, especially because it's a three-ingredient cocktail. You can get really nitpicky with the combinations you want. And I think that this is an easy cocktail to love and makes it even more fun that you can make those nitpicky decisions. If you love it that much, you can have fun with it, which Brad... I certainly did with my recipe. Oh, yeah, I bet. So (laughs) I did hear that the light of the spirit, the light of the honey, the dark of the Mm -hmm. spirit, the dark of the honey. And I don't know, I think in tips, we're talking about honey today, right? Yeah, so we're gonna cover our two recipes. Brad, you're gonna do the history. And then our tips, it is gonna be about honey. I'll save it for the end because I do have a little fun fact, but honey is a funny category because it's, it's so large and you either love it or I feel like you hate it I only love it in drinks, funny enough. I don't, I'm not a big honey fan either, but mm, in cocktails. Oh, see, I love it in cocktails rather than food. I'm like, I can just, I love the the subtle notes of the honey rather than like a full gob of honey. Like people can eat it by the spoonful and that would, I don't think that could ever be well, me. So I'm one of those people. 
I don't know a lot about honey, but I just, if I see some small batch produced honey, I will totally buy that. Oh my God. You're like Winnie the Pooh over here. <laughs> I know. I'm a little, a little Pooh Bear. <laughs> Speaking of Pooh Bears, like I've had the the honey out of the little bear, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, oh, yeah. it's all right. Ba- yeah, it's, good. it's, it's basic. Yeah. Yeah. Great in a hot toddy, right? Sure. But when you go to some of these farms and you get like, I don't know, their version of the honey, it's like, oh my gosh, no, this is like really good. Some of it's got little crystals in it and I'll buy honeycomb and I will yeah. eat a chunk of honeycomb. It's good for you. But where was I? I had some honey and it was, I think it was like French honey, like somewhere Ooh. in the mountains. And it was ripe, dude. It was oh no, like very, very strong. So whatever the bees are going to, that's going to bring flavor back to the honey. And there's a lot of things that flower. Well, yeah, it's funny you said French honey because I, I brought back my sister, Luciana, a truffle honey. She has yet to use it. But man, I mean, should we put it on a cocktail? I don't know. I give it a shot. Truffle is like one of those things, like a little goes a long way. Totally, but it's so yeah. good. So yeah, honey's fun. I only drink my honey. I only like it in cocktails. But you know what, Brad? I love that for you, that you love a little spoonful of honey every now and then. It's yeah, for you. it's really good. Yeah, a little spoonful of honey, maybe a little peanut butter on there. Yeah. Out. Well, should we get into these cocktails? Because there might be some people who don't even know how to make it. Right, which is why they're maybe listening. Or maybe they just like listening to us. And Yeah, hey, they might like us for our charming personalities, but this is so easy that everybody needs to listen to this episode so you can make this whenever you have guests. Yeah, on. seriously, buckle up. You want to be safe, but don't, uh, don't get overwhelmed. Yeah, click it or ticket, baby. <laughs> <laughs> click it or ticket. My cocktail's pretty easy. So let's roll. All right, Brad, you know the rules. If you're gonna make a cocktail, you gotta make it right the first way. And who better to lead us in the way towards perfection than our favorite Uncle Brad. So, Brad, take it away. All right, Jules. So, like I said earlier, I have played around with this recipe, sampled it with people, and here's what I can tell you that I've landed on. Okay. It is two parts gin, one part lemon juice, and... A half ounce or half part of uh, honey syrup. Mm-hmm. So, honey syrup. Let's talk about how to make honey syrup, and then we'll I'll just go into some greater detail about the the nuances of this cocktail. All right. So, honey syrup, super super easy to make. It's equal parts honey and water, and that's it. So, if you're gonna make a lot of these drinks, maybe maybe you want to start small, right? Like, all right, let me see if I even like this honey syrup. And by the way, if you don't like the honey you're using. Try a couple of different honeys and try going with one of those small batch produced honeys. So anyways, take, I did a cup of honey and a cup of water. I put that in a saucepan and I heated it up until the honey was just fully incorporated and not thick anymore. Probably have to use a little spatula to get the honey out of your measuring cup. I just put super hot water in my mm-hmm. measuring cup. So it kind of melted it and then put that in there and then just stirred and boom, it was done. Yeah. I didn't need to boil the water. And so if you're boiling the water, you're just, you're going too far. You don't have to do that. So yeah, don't like get, get your kettle and pour it in. Totally. Super, super easy. All right, so obviously you're going to not put hot honey syrup in your cocktail. You're going to put that in a, some type of container, let it cool off. And then once it's cooled off, in fact, I'd prefer it refrigerated, you can add that to your drink. Now, I have also put this stuff on just plain Greek yogurt and a few berries. And I'm telling you, this stuff is great. You could sip it. 
Wow, you're a honey guy. Yeah, I know. It's just so good. Plus, it's natural. It's from bees, yeah, right? Hey, come on. All right. So go grab your coupe glass and make sure it's chilled, right? And so get that in the freezer, get it nice and chilled off. And then you're going to grab your Boston Shaker, 10 on 10, 2818. And we haven't said it in a long time. 28 ounces, 18 ounces. I love a Boston Shaker. If you don't have one, just go online and get a Boston Shaker. But make sure you get a 2818 because that is big enough to make a couple of drinks. Then you are going to, in the big side of the shaker, you're going to add two ounces of gin. I used Brockman's, which is like super floral, but then I ran out of Brockman's and I used Hendrix because I think it was somebody, I think it was Drinking Miss Daisy, who uh, mm-hmm. follows us. And I saw her comments on the use of Hendrix gin in the Clover Club. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's really great. You know, I'm, we're going to do a bee's knees. She's like, oh my God, it's great in a bee's knees. So totally used Hendrix. That's delicious. Hendrix, honestly, is like, just side note, go to right now. Totally. Yeah. I dig Hendrix. Yeah, me too. I dig Hendrix. Like it's just an easy mellow gin. So just think flowers, botanicals, bees like flowers. Like they just like to go to flowers. Yes. So there you go. You got your gin and then fresh squeezed lemon juice is important. And I think this is where bars maybe like I have experienced heartburn because maybe the lemon juice has been out for a while or it's from yesterday or god forbid it's from something out of a bottle like yeah I, th- I think that's where i get burned because when i use fresh lemon juice i don't know it's it's just the world's a different place yeah i right? think this is the cocktail that it's so easy to make this is the one you want to make at home because when you buy it out at a cocktail bar you really never know unless they say no 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 like unless they really encourage no we we squeeze it right then and there like there is something to be said about that but for the most part, this is one you really want to craft at home. Yeah, I, I don't know how to like make that ask in a bar and not seem like I'm being like a total ass. And so yeah. I often don't. And I just kind of watch the bartender. <laughs> is this fair squeezed? <laughs> Excuse me, yeah. Um, yeah. what kind of ice is this? <laughs> so yeah. anyways, we've established lemon juice there. And then like I said earlier, it's a half ounce of honey syrup goes in your shaker as well. Mm-hmm. By the way, bonus points, if you want to throw an egg white in there, I did that. It didn't add much but texture to the drink. Sure. I Honestly, I kind of, in this case, I liked it without the egg white. Okay. I don't know why. I just did. But turns out, if you put an egg white in there, it's still a bee's knees. Like, it's yeah. not a Boston sour. Like, a whiskey sour with egg is also in the Boston sour. Like, it's just, right. oh, with or without egg white. Everybody seems to make it without egg white. I think you should, too. Yeah, I agree. Shake it up and shake it until it's too cold to hold, right? Like, you shake that mamma jamma and then you're going to double strain that into your coupe glass your chilled coupe glass and then i take a little lemon peel or lemon twist and i you know drag my y peeler across my lemon i express the oils a little bit trying to pinch just above the pith and below the pith just try to pinch that forward let the oils spray a little bit on the drink I rub the rim in the glass. And then Caitlin Stewart of Likeable Cocktails taught us, I'll rub the stem of the glass too. So Mm -hmm. I'll do that. Yeah. And then I give a little twist to the uh, lemon peel. I kind of trim it up so it's a nice little, pretty little lemon peel. And then I put a little notch in that twist so I can just rest it right on the side of my glass. Just like that. Wow. That's money right there. That's pro. So there you go. And honestly, like everybody I served this to was like, oh my God, this is a great drink. It's almost as if like a lemon head candy or like one of those lemon Mm -hmm. drop candies. Like it's just, it's not brutally citric. It's just this nice, easy lemon flavor. 
So good. Such a classic. Really, really and truly, it's so easy to make. This is a great one when you don't want to do too much, but you still want to impress your guests. Make them this. Mm -hmm. Okay, are you ready? Are you ready for my cute little Bring stunner? Bring it on. Yes, okay. stun it. We are making a hot honey apricot bee's knees. Ooh. And let me tell you, hot it honey. sounds fancy, but it is so easy. When we're recording this, this week actually, Brad, I've been doing hashtag join Jules stone fruit week. So when this comes out, we'll have been past that, but stone fruits in season. And so I have just been using it all week long. And apricots, apricots, apricots is one that is, I feel like they're always ripe and they sometimes go too ripe too fast. So you never really know what to do mm -hmm. with them. I had that happen. I bought them and I was like, oh my God, these are going bad. What am I going to do with them? Put them in a cocktail. That is always my answer to anything and everything. <laughs> so I used a whole apricot in this cocktail and I said it was easy and I promise you it is. What I did was I opened up the apricot, took the pit out. I kind of chopped it up into smaller pieces. I put that in my cocktail shaker. I put about two fresh leaves of basil in there. I did about a half ounce of hot honey. Now I'm using Nature Nate's hot honey, which has such a nice back heat to it, but it's so syrupy already that I didn't want to water it down because the flavor is so delicious and it didn't need it because it was going to fully incorporate because it was such a nice texture already. If you're using a hot honey that's maybe a little bit thicker and not going to incorporate with your drink, I would recommend making that honey syrup. But if you can tell it's a syrupy texture already, you don't have to. So we have a half ounce of that hot honey in there. And then the basil, the apricots. I did three quarters of an ounce fresh lemon juice and I muddled it. I muddled that all together, expressed the juices from the fruit and the oils from the basil. Then mm. I added two ounces of gin. And like you, Brad, I used Hendrix. From there, add ice, shake that puppy and then double strain it into your chilled coupe glass that was already in the freezer because you have been listening to this long enough. Double strain it. It might take some time since the apricot is in there. So just tap the cocktail shaker over your fine mesh strainer to help get the liquids out or use a bar spoon to move things around to get it fully strained out of that fine mesh strainer. Garnish with either a lemon twist like Brad or a fresh basil leaf, and you will have a hot honey Apricot or apricot bee's knees. Damn. Son of a gun. That is just mm -hmm. fantastic. When mm -hmm. you said you put a whole apricot in there, I was like, whoa, all right. But then again, apricots are a little smaller They're than peaches. They're small. Right? Well, and honestly, it's like, wow, I almost wish there was more apricot flavor in here. And I bet you you could make a puree which and, and then, you know, measure out about an ounce of that. But I don't know. There's something about fresh sometimes that it's like, oh, so good. Yeah. I will tell you, though, the Nature Nates that I'm using, I know there's a couple other hot honey brands out there, but man, that Nature Nates, it's like, it's not hot on your tongue. It's like hot in the back. It's like real back mm. heat. It's really nice. I'm like, damn, nice. that's a fun experience. Sweet. It's like a kitchen hot in the back. Yeah. So even right? if you want to make, if you want to <laughs> make mine, you can, but if you want to make Brad's and you like spicy, try using a hot honey syrup there. That totally works. That's a good riff. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Good call. Yeah. Well, those are two bee's knees, the classic and a spicy little version. But damn, these are really fun. And honestly, Brad, I feel like this one, you can really play with it. It might not be the traditional way, but I feel like adding fresh fruit, what's in season right now on stone fruit, 
honestly, I would like to maybe play with like a savory bee's knees. I know tomatoes are trending right now. Could you imagine like an heirloom tomato bee's knees? A little sea salt. Well, I'm thinking like, you know, what what goes well with lemon and honey? I would even maybe try to incorporate a little raspberry in there. Oh, yeah. That might be good. I I mean, I know raspberries aren't in season. Are they in season? No, they're not in season. But you could play around the fruit spectrum. Just kind of think, I don't know, like what what grows together, right? Right. And, you know, what grows together goes together. So that's why I would look at that. Yeah. Yeah. A little rosemary and honey. Mm -hmm. Ooh. That sounds, ooh, dude, I've got ideas now. He's got ideas. He's an ideas man. I've got ideas, Jules. Well, okay, speaking of ideas, was there an idea slash history behind the bee's knees? A little bit. There's some history. We can talk about that. Let's do it. All right, Brad. Do we have a history lesson today? Jules. We got a history lesson here. We got a history lesson. And this one's kind of a, I didn't put my notes in the document because I didn't want you to look ahead. I know, I'm like, hmm. This one's got a little interesting kick to it. All right, let me first talk about the term, the bee's knees. Right. So this term goes all the way back to the 1800s, believe it or not. And the bees don't have knees, right? Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, hmm, maybe, no. Okay, scratch that idea. Nope, they don't have knees. But back in the 1800s, they knew that bees didn't have knees. And so if you said bees' knees, it meant something that was insignificant, Hmm. a little consequence. It was the bees' knees. Oh. However, Jules, in the 1920s, there were changes. Oh, can I guess what what they, because I thought the bees' knees was a term for like, oh man, that's the bees' knees. That's cool. You're right. Ha-ha. Yeah, look at you. So <laughs> the bee's knees took on a new meaning, as did a lot of language <laughs> in the 1920s. So you had these new words and phrases, like you do with really any decade, and bee's knees literally didn't mean something that was insignificant. It meant something that was quite the opposite. It meant something was awesome, better than the frog's eyebrows, or even better than the berries, but not quite as good as the duck quack. Yeah. Isn't that funny how it switches? It's like, oh, it meant this thing. Now it means the complete opposite. You're like, how did we get here? <laughs> this cocktail definitely didn't come out before Prohibition. It came out after because it wasn't insignificant. It was quite significant. People liked it. Mm-hmm. And you would associate that cocktail then with Prohibition, meaning it's probably an American invention. Mm-hmm. However, it has stronger ties to France than it does the United States because there is a debate over two of the inventors. Yes. Yeah? (laughs) Yes. You know where I'm going with this? It's at the bar (laughs) in Paris. They say they invented the bee's knees and that is called crikey. I went there and they also invented the French 75. What is the place called? Oh no. It's called like Harry's Bar or something like that, isn't it? Yeah. So here's the deal. <laughs> You're me. thinking of the sidecar and oh, one of the crap. bars that claims to have invented the sidecar are like the places that- That's the place the I'm thinking of. I think it's called yeah. Harry's. Well, Harry's is one of them, right? Okay. But Harry's, okay. Harry's can't, doesn't lay claim to the bee's knees. 
It's the bar at the Ritz, the Hemingway no bar. Wait. Okay. Uh-huh. That makes sense. All right. Damn it. I was so confident there for a second. No, but you are so <laughs> close. You are so close, right? So if you go back and listen to episode 11, you'll hear the story about Frank Meyer. Mm-hmm. And he was the head bartender at the Ritz. Now, it's funny, you know, like when you read about the history on this drink and you read about Frank Meyer, it's so strange because people are like, oh, Frank Meyer, he was an Austrian born bartender who was Jewish and he worked at the Ritz. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they won't connect the dots on the fact like, well, what the hell difference does it make he's Jewish? Like, why do we, <laughs> like, I know. why does his religious beliefs need to come into play? <laughs> However, A Christian man. Yeah, I mean, uh, you never hear that. You, if you go back and listen to the interesting history on Frank Meyer in that episode 11 we did, which included the history on the sidecar, they, they call it the fact that he's Jewish because he's also the spy bartender. He's mm. the guy that he worked at the Ritz and the Germans commandeered the Ritz and here's this Jewish bartender, like they don't know he's Jewish and he ends up working for like the French resistance. And, oh shoot, that's right. And uh, passing notes for the British government and stuff. Anyway, so he was also an author, much like present company soon, huh? Hey now, I know. It's coming, can we talk Isn't about that? that crazy? Book's not out yet, but it's coming. Book's right? not out yet. Coming? Uh, next this time next year, so like around the August, late late July, twenty twenty. What a process! Or I can call myself an author. I know, I know, isn't that wild? That's super wild. How long that takes? I know. Wow. All right. Well, anyways, he made a book too, yeah, and okay. uh, his was called <laughs> "The Artistry of Mixing Drinks," and it denotes that the bee's knees in that book was created by the author, which was Frank Meyer. Mm-hmm. That's inventor number one. Sure. There's got to be more than one. I mean, come on, make it interesting, you know? Of course. Yeah. Inventor number two is said to be, be, to be, to be Margaret Brown. Oh, a familiar? lady. Uh-huh. Margaret oh, Brown. Just wait. Yeah. So she was no ordinary lady. She was an American socialite. Mm. And her friends called her Maggie. But you also may know her as the unsinkable Molly Brown from the Titanic. She was a survivor on the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Have you seen yeah. the movie? I have. I mean, not that the movie like is... <laughs> Accurate. No. I think I skipped over that chapter in school. <laughs> well, it wasn't a big chapter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, oof. Some of you out there may recognize the name, the unsinkable Molly Brown. All right, so here's the deal about Molly. She was born, not poor, but modest, Okay. right? But the cool thing is, is that her parents really believed in education. And so she got an education when she was young. Her, in fact, her aunt's school was across the street, so she went to school. Yeah, I mean, that's rare, right? At that time to get like a proper education. A little education. bit, yeah. I mean, yeah. she was pretty learned, right? Mm-hmm. And so she got an education and then they moved from St. Louis, Missouri to Leadville, Colorado. She fell in love and married for love, not money. For love. And she married an engineer who worked at a mining company. Okay. And this mining company wasn't necessarily a very profitable mining company until her husband, who was a self-educated man, not formally educated, but self-educated, he discovered a vein of gold ore that just was massive. And so they become millionaires because he got shares to the company, went to the board of directors, and they are like millionaires in the early 1900s. Damn. Okay. That's a lot of dough. That's a lot of dough. So she becomes a world traveler and he travels as well. And she becomes really charitable. 
and believes in giving back, but loves to travel the world and very outspoken. She's a very outspoken woman. You know, she was not afraid to call other people in certain social circles, high social circles, snobs. And she'd call out basically the bullshit that she saw with rich people. Started from nothing, now we're here. That's right. She started from nothing, now we're here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't know if I did that right, but (laughs) I just followed your cue. Yeah. She's an outspoken philanthropist and world traveler, happens to be very, very fond of France. And so spends a lot of time in France. I get it. In fact, when she she was in France, when she found out that her grandchild was sick and then had to get back to the United States to help out, that's when she boarded the Titanic in 1912 and the Titanic sank. No way. And she was actually helping other passengers out onto lifeboats before they finally said, you got to get on a lifeboat. Oh my God. And then she got on the lifeboat and then the lifeboat is captained by a crew member from the Titanic. And they're rowing away from the wreckage. And she's like imploring, she's like, you've got to turn back. You've got to go save and look for survivors. We need to help. And the guy who was captaining the lifeboat wouldn't do it because he was afraid they were going to get swamped, right? And so she had some very choice words for that gentleman of and threatened to throw him into the uh, the ocean. Jeez. Damn, what a legend. That gives you an idea of who Molly was. I love it. Yeah, outspoken, spends a lot of time in France. She is interviewed by the Standard Union, which is in Brooklyn, New York. It's a, it's a magazine or a paper mm-hmm. in 1929. And now you'd have to imagine, you know, she's rich, right? And so if she wants to drink alcohol, she's going to drink some alcohol. Yeah, she can, right? yeah. And be damned prohibition. She's going to do what she wants. She also has the means to get what she wants. So it's, it's possible that she came across this drink in her travels around the United States, or it's possible she maybe came up with the concept of the drink, but either way, she was interviewed by The Standard. And in that article in 1929, she is quoted as saying her favorite thing to drink is what she calls a bee's knees. And it is lemon and honey with a gin. So she gets marks for that. And that was a bit of new evidence that wasn't discovered until recently, because prior to that, there was really no record earlier than 1929, I'm sorry, 1936, which was Frank Meyer's book, who said, hey, I invented it. Mm -hmm. Now, also in 1929, another book comes out called Cocktails de Paris of Paris. And that book has the bee's knees in it and credits Frank Meyer Mm -hmm. for the cocktail. So now you're like, all right, Hmm. Was it Margaret Brown or was it Frank Meyer? So here's what I think. Okay. So let's look at the facts, right? So she's a world traveler, spends a lot of time in France. It is highly likely because the Ritz was a place for wealthy people to mingle that she spent time at the Ritz. And it is highly likely that if she was spending time at the Ritz, Frank Meyer, being the man that he was, knew who she was. Mm -hmm. And she could have told Frank, hey, look, this is what I want to drink. It's a gin sour with honey syrup instead of simple syrup or sugar. Mm-hmm. I call it a bee's knees. Right. It's possible that she did that. The article quoted her with it. She may have been carrying this around for a while and she's just been giving it out because this is what she likes to drink. Or it's possible that Frank Meyer invented it because the book is published in 1929. You started working on your book last year. 
right? Mm -hmm. And it's not coming out until next year. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine they put books out much faster than that. I know. In the 1920s. No way. And so it's possible that whoever did this book had to do their research. In that research, they discovered, hey, this guy named Frank Meyer, whom is a famous bartender at the time, makes all of these drinks. He's making one called the Bee's Knees. We're gonna give him the credit for it because he says he invented it. Also, yeah. Frank has this book that comes out and there's a lot of cocktails in it. One of them being the sidecar that mm -hmm. people are like, oh, Frank Meyer invented that. But really, in, he, didn't, he didn't take credit for that in his book, but he takes credit for a lot of other drinks. One of them being the bee's knees. Yeah, I, yeah, shit. I, I, think, I, think Frank, I think Frank invented it. I think he invented it. I think Molly Brown, right? That's her name? Margaret yeah. Brown, Margaret, Maggie yeah, Brown. Yeah. Yep. I think she had it and then brought it back. She probably made it popular in the United States because not a lot of people could really travel back then. Well, right. And she, I think she died in like 1932. So Prohibition was still rocking and rolling. Yeah. Although I think she didn't give a damn what people thought about her. I don't sure. know if she wanted to go to jail because she was at a speakeasy. So who knows? But sure, maybe right. she did. Maybe she brought it back. She shared it with her friends. I kind of made it this way through cocktail lore. But whatever the case may be, it was documented and tied to Paris twice. So that drink was definitely over there. Totally. And I think that the math checks out for that. But kind of cool that she's involved. Like, what a badass. <laughs> I know. It's kind of cool. Like, when I read that, I was like, whoa, didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then like, I kept reading. I'm like, curveball. okay, is this one person's point of view? And so I, check, I checked a couple of different ways. And then finally, it was this article that was in the standard that I'm like, okay, all right, well, we at least put her on early invention, creation, or admiration. Give credit where credit's due, I guess, right? Right, totally. Cool. So. What a cool story. That is a total yeah. curveball. Did not see it going that way at all. Yeah, that's what I love about this space, man. The history is sometimes like, yeah, right, man, it's cool. You know, and other times you're like, yeah. whoa, whoa, wow, that's cool. Damn. <laughs> Well, that's cool. That's a cool history and a great tasting cocktail. Like, honestly, can't stress that enough. And Brad, I think we're going to talk about it in another episode. But if you don't like gin, still look at the formula because this is a foundation for a couple of other cocktails too. Are we covering the Clover Club? Or not Clover Club. Oh, my Gold God. Gold Rush? Yes. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think we were going to do that, the Gold Rush or the Bee's Knees in yeah. this episode. The Gold Rush is a modern classic, so invented, I think, in the 2000s. Okay. But it just is this, it's the same thing, but it's now using whiskey instead of gin. And it's over ice. It can be served over ice where I feel like with gin, you serve it in a coupe in a chilled glass where I feel like because you're using whiskey for the Gold Rush, you almost want that to sweat a little bit to get a little bit more dilution in there. Well, look at the Collins, right? Like I would, I would pour this over ice and maybe add a little soda water to lengthen oh it a little bit. Come on, you know? Yeah. So, boom. Or you could like think about the hot toddy, right? The yeah. hot toddy is lemon and honey and hot water. So sub the hot water out for just lemon, honey syrup and brandy and whiskey and mm, bourbon. Cognac. Like you could totally like it's just anything that mm. honey kind of goes with. Totally. Like, yeah. hell, I don't know. Like, let's give it, I'm sure you're going to try with Mezcal at some point, right? Oh, you know it. <laughs> you know it. A little, honestly, I think this could be a really good split base with Mezcal and a little Reposado or even an Añejo would be kind of nice. Yeah. I mean, I'd try this even with like a Dill Aquavit. Whoa. 
I don't know. Why not? Don't call me crazy, but that's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> All right, so the people want to know about honey. Should we, we, should we give them a little facts? Let's talk about the honey. Okay, talking about honey. My fun fact that I said was in the end of this episode is, Brad, do you know how many varietals of honey are produced just in the United States? Man, I can't even begin to imagine. I don't know. Over 300 varieties of honey produced just in the United States. I want to try them all. (laughs) (laughs) He is Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, no, there's, there's so many different varieties. I love using honey in cocktails. People love it for a lot of different purposes. Brad, you touched that you can make the hot toddy. And originally, hot toddy was medicinal, right? And so honey was really mm-hmm. part of that. Still kind of is. Yeah. A lot of people say that honey, local honey, helps with allergies. So really and truly, I mean, honey is such a fun and great, sweet, natural sweet ingredient. But when you're making cocktails with honey, there are different varieties that you can use. And so I just kind of wanted to go over, if you're wondering, if you're at the store, oh my God, what kind of honey do I buy? Here are the best to look for for cocktails specifically. Now, before I get into those varieties, I will say going to your local farmer's market and walking and finding a beekeeper or local honey that they're producing, there truly is nothing better than that. And I implore you to taste it, buy the one you like, and making a cocktail work for that because I think, you know, there's nothing better than local honey, in my opinion. Yeah, I I think anytime you can get local and away from mass-produced is Good. No offense to the mass producers. Yeah. But I, mean, I don't know. It's always nice to kind of support local. Right? Totally. But if you're at the grocery store and you're like, all right, what variety do I get? There's a couple of different ones you'll want to look for. There's an orange blossom variety, clover honey, alfalfa honey, wildflower, buckwheat, and hot honey. Hot honey is the, I feel like a new category. It's the hot category. I will only eat hot honey on pizza. I will never eat pizza again what? unless there's hot honey on it. Hold on. Wait, whoa, 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 Brad. Don't what? say it ain't so. Are you kidding Dude, me? Hey, no, I'm like excited. <gasps> I So we oh, got no, a pizza no. oven, you know, like an outdoor like pizza oven. And by the way, I have nailed my pizza dough. You Thank you, Pizza Bible. To. So totally going down this path. It's so good. I'm sorry to go down no. a rabbit hole, but tell me, what do you put that, like, what are the ingredients on that pizza that you're drizzling honey? Or is it just all so it, pizzas? Honestly, all. The best one is like, just like a big pepperoni or like meat pizza. Just because I feel like mm. the cheese and the meats with a little bit of that heat, but also the sweetness of the honey. God, it's so good. Oh. I did one with a margarita with bunched ricotta in there with basil leaves. And then you put hot honey on that. And that was phenomenal too. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, that's a tip for you. Put hot honey on your pizza. (laughs) If you've never done it before, this is your sign. But if you're not hungry and you're thirsty, it's also a fantastic ingredient in cocktails. It adds such a nice heat, but also sweetness. Again, the one that I was using, and I've actually worked with, they're a great company. It's called Nature Nates. There's a couple of other different, like Mike's Hot Honey is another popular one. But I feel like that's a newer category that you'll see at the supermarket. I recommend trying it if you like a little bit spice. So that's one. 
The other one I will say that is probably one of the most, there's two, they'll give you the most amount of variety. You can kind of use them in a lot of different cocktails. That is gonna be your clover and or your alfalfa honey. Clover mm. is light in flavor and has more sweetness. Alfalfa does have subtle grassiness flavor, but it is actually slightly more sweet than clover. So those are two good ones. If, if you're looking for something kind of neutral, I would go with those. If you're making a citrus-forward drink, kind of like this one, I would recommend using an orange blossom honey. And then the last two are the buckwheat and the wildflower. Now, the buckwheat is going to be that dark brown, thick honey you see. It's going to have earthy flavors, and it's really paired well with whiskeys, rye, scotch. And then wildflower will also have more complex flavors, but it just has such a wide variety because, again, kind of in the name, wildflower. It just depends on the area that it's grown and it will change the flavor based on that location. So it's kind of hard to touch on, but I think that that kind of goes hand in hand with that local honey. Just try to taste the wildflower. I think that one would be the one you'd play with a little bit more. But again, if you're looking for something neutral and just a safe bet, go with that clover or alfalfa or orange blossom or hot honey. But really, the honey journey is up to you, and it's a fun one if you like it. And if you don't like it, but you like it in cocktails, also fun. So nobody's missing out here. Yeah, Everybody's having a fun time. God, dude, I, I tell you, it's so funny because for so long, I just thought honey was honey was honey, you mm -hmm. know? And then I, was, I had some honeys that were like, whoa, that's not the mm -hmm. same honey that I'm used to. I know. So I thought there was like honey, honey butter, <laughs> honey gum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a lot. Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's fun. It makes it fun too, and it makes it fun in a cocktail. So, I mean, Brad, we've we've really nailed this home many times, many episodes. But using really fresh ingredients totally makes a difference. And there's so many different ways to go about it, which makes this even this cocktail category endless because you can you can just try it all. Do you want to know? Speaking of fresh ingredients, do you want to know one more fun fact about honey? Yes. It never spoils. Really? Honey doesn't spoil. Wow. It will if you make it a honey syrup. Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. But like honey, but honey, honey actually own. is a food that never spoils. Whoa. That's crazy. Yep. Well, there you go. It'll never go bad. All right. Well, that's awesome. That was so much fun for me. I totally dig honey and now I just love honey even more. So yeah. look at this little Pooh Bear. I'm going to go out to my cupboard and just get some honey and peanut butter and just have a good old time. And I will say, <laughs> if you don't, if you listen to our mocktail chapter and you're still listening and you don't drink alcohol, this is a fun one to play with a gin alternative and still taste and have fun with that honey. So don't feel like you're left out at all. You can still have a mocktail with this one and play yeah. with your honeys. There you go. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Cheers, Uncle Brad. Cheers, Jules. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. Don't worry. We will have the photos and recipes for today's cocktails on the website, joinjules.com. And if you got questions or comments for us, hit us up on the Insta at the Art of Drinking podcast. And of course, find Jules at Join Jules or Cigars and Vino. That's me also on the Insta. And hey, subscribe to my cocktail club on Facebook. All you'll need to do is search Join Jules Cocktail Club and there you'll see what other cocktail enthusiasts are shaking up. This is a Red Rock Music Podcast. Don't forget, subscribe, like, and review The Art of Drinking with Join Jules and your favorite uncle wherever you get your podcasts.